Welcome, and may the Lord be with you. We are excited to have you with us today as we listen to this week's sermon from Blue Ridge Anglican Mission in Hendersonville, North Carolina. Let's listen in. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Our gospel passage starts today giving us the travel details or the itinerary of Christ and his disciples. And this is important because it helps us understand where it is that Jesus is geographically. And we can see from this passage that Jesus is traveling into Gentile area. area. So it's taking him out of the Jewish religious territory and it's got him into the Gentile area. Yes, that Gentile area, the irreligious Gentile area, the outsiders, those who are not part of God's people, those who are not clean, those who are not pure. But Jesus kind of has a way of doing that, doesn't he? He's always going out to those that are scandalous. That's the accusation that we hear about Jesus quite a bit, isn't it? We hear things like, he eats with sinners. Or he spends time with those people. But that's what he did. Jesus was always spending time with notorious sinners. Those who were not religious enough. Those who were unacceptable in the sight of the religious elite. Those who were not cleaned up already. Those who didn't look like the rest. Those who have problems and are sick. And those who stink of death. And it was absolutely scandalous to the religious leaders that Jesus would do this. They couldn't comprehend why Jesus spent so much of his time and energy with those kind of people. And I think it would do us well to remember that we are those kind of people. The very location of this story shows us that Jesus is... Well, he's willing to go to the uncomfortable places. He's willing to be seen with those that are not perfect. Those that are not already cleaned. Those that need help. Those that need Jesus. And those that truly need the grace that he offers. Those that need the gospel. Those that need Christ. And as as he is in this region, it says that a man is brought to him, and it says it's a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. Now, I want you to think about this man for just a moment. He's deaf, so he can't hear. He can't talk. He's cut off from those around him in communication in a good way. No doctor could heal him. No medicine can make him better. He is utterly hopeless. And so they bring this man to Jesus and they ask him or implore him to lay his hand on him. And so Jesus takes this man away from everyone. He takes him away from the crowd because he seemingly wants to have a personal one-on-one encounter with him. And so that's what he does. He takes this man, he pulls him off to the side, and he does one of the craziest things ever. He sticks his fingers in the man's ear. He spits on his hand and puts it on his tongue. He literally 
touches this man, and he touches the exact places that he intends to heal. I'm not sure today that spitting on your hand and touching someone's tongue is the seeker-sensitive way of reaching people, but that's what Jesus does here. He goes and he physically touches him in the place that he intends to heal. Now, could Jesus have just spoken the word and healed him? Sure, he, he does that all the time. He speaks healing to people all the time. But in this case, he takes the step to touch this man and to heal him that way. You see, this man couldn't hear some great explanation that Jesus might have given. He couldn't hear some kind of great sermon, and he wouldn't have been able to communicate clearly anyway. And so he was used to communicating the appointing and actions and, and where do I need to go when someone points. Or, you know, he's used to that, and so Jesus meets him exactly where he is. And so after being touched... And upon the words being spoken by Jesus of be opened, his ears were opened and his tongue was loosed so that he could speak plainly and hear clearly. And Jesus, in doing that, goes directly to where this man was and communicates to him in a way that he understands. He uses a clearly spoken word, ephetha, that perhaps this deaf man could have lip read what he was saying it would have been a common word that he would have been able to understand so instead of going on and on he uses the word and then uses touch and in doing so he heals this man fully and completely he meets him where he is in all of his imperfections and in all of his problems in church that's that's what jesus does for us He meets us where we are. He is willing to come into the messiest of all places, the dark places, and the unclean places to meet us and to touch us so that we might receive the healing that he has come to offer. When we think we're too dirty or too sinful or too unclean for Christ to want to come near us, he does just that. He pierces our darkness, and he meets us, and he touches us. Have you ever noticed every single Sunday that as I place the sacrament in your hand, I take my hand and I kind of touch your hand? There's that physical touch. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Do you know why I do that? Well, maybe it's because that's the way I was taught. Nope. Well, maybe I read some, some book from a thousand years ago that says you're supposed to do it this way, and I'm trying to be unique. Nope. Maybe I've picked up a bad habit somewhere, and I just keep doing it. Well, I have, but that's not, that's not this. I do it because I think touch is important. I do it because I want you to be reminded as you are taking the body of the Lord Jesus into your hands in the sacrament, that he is truly there and that grace is real. When I do that, it's actually a very purposeful action. That touch is to make communion personal and real to you because Christ comes to you in a real and personal way in the sacrament. Christ is touching you in a real and personal way when you take of the body 
in your hand. That touches and reminds you that this is not some impersonal distribution of bread, but it's a real and personal giving of grace in the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. That touches to remind you that no matter how broken, battered, or bruised you may be, Christ pierces through and he touches you. In this story, we see Christ doing just that as he goes above and beyond the bare minimum of what's required. He could have spoke the word and just been done. He could have snapped his fingers and said, I am Christ. He could have not healed him. But he stops, he slows things down, he takes the man to the side, sticks his fingers in his ear, touches his mouth, and says, Ephatha, be opened. He goes above and beyond. He's doing what this man needs to have his eyes opened so that he might see Christ for who he is as the Lamb of God. And that he might with his hearing and his speaking restored might praise the Lamb of God for his healing and for his redemption. You see, God's disposition toward us is one of grace and mercy. He's looking to meet us in the dark places so that he might touch us. He's looking to pierce our hardened hearts. He's looking to cut through our self-righteousness. He's looking to lavish upon us his great love and mercy. But it's not just us, but also the world. The broken, battered, and bruised. The alcoholics, the addicts, the poor, the homeless, the self-righteous, the scared, the depressed, the anxious, those in prison, those who are widows, those in nursing homes. You see, the grace of God is a scandalous grace. It goes way farther than what we personally would ever want to go. It crosses all boundaries that we're unable to cross. So, after Jesus heals this man, he does what he's known to do, and then he tells this man, he tells the crowd to not go tell anyone. He says, keep this to yourself. And St. Mark says, the more he charged them... So much more, a great deal, they published it. So the more that Jesus is like, please don't go tell anyone, the more they went and told. And the more he pleaded with them not to, the more they did. Because the good news of Jesus is hard to keep to yourself. We see this over and over in the, in the Gospels. We see this in St. Mark chapter 1. He heals a man of leprosy and warns him not to tell of anyone. And instead, he went out sharing freely. We see in Matthew chapter 9, he heals a blind man and tells him not to say anything. And the man goes out and he spreads it all over the region. We, we see it in John chapter 4 as Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And it's not that he doesn't tell her to go tell anyone, but upon the disciples' return, she scurries off to her town and she begins telling everyone, you've got to come see this man. He's, he knows everything about me. This man might be the man. And so the town, this town of Samaritans, these, these half-breeds according to the Jews, this, these inbreds according to the Jews, this, these people who hate each other, they come to see this Jewish rabbi. And St. John tells us that 
quote, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. When we encounter Christ, it is hard to keep it to ourselves. We are compelled out of love of God and love of others to tell them the good news of Christ and to point them to the source of everlasting life. And we should feel that same compulsion today to go and share the good news of Christ with all those around us. You see, each and every Sunday, we gather here together as Christ is proclaimed in word and in sacrament. And in that, we encounter Christ in a real and personal way as a body. And the most loving thing that we can do for our neighbors, the, the most loving thing that we can do for our family, for our friends, the most loving thing that we can do for our community is to take the good news of Christ to them. It's to invite them to come and experience Christ in the same way. It's to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. So we must be the hands and feet of Christ who take this grace into the world, meeting people where they are. We, we can't wait for them to come to us because they won't. They're not going to come to us uh, just, hey, you know what? I'm going to go check these people out, or I'm going to go to my neighbor Rick, Ricky D, uh, and I'm going I'm to ask him about that. They're not going to just do that. We have to go and live the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives, in their life, and we have to proclaim him in word. We have to be missionaries in our own worlds, piercing the darkness with the light of Christ and loving and serving all those that we meet. We have the good news, not a good news, not some good news. We have the good news of Jesus Christ and our calling and our honor and our duty is to take that good news to a lost and dying world. My Anglican mentor, Father John Green, uh, used to use a quote from his bishop that he, he used to read all the time. I, I think, if I'm not even mistaken, that in, in their study they have a pillow that has this uh, crocheted, or not crocheted, but uh, embroidered in. And there's a saying, and I, I cannot ever forget it. Time is short, hell is hot, and people are dying. That's the quote. We have the good news of Jesus that we can take to a lost and broken world. So let us go forth into our worlds today, tomorrow, forever, carrying the good news with us as ambassadors of the grace of God. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Blue Ridge Anglican Mission. We are a parish of the Orthodox Anglican Church that is situated in the beautiful mountains of Hendersonville, North Carolina. If you want to learn more, check us out at blueridgemission.org. Now, let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord.